So I started this new habit where I uh, I take the dog and the kids out for 90 to 120 minutes each night because I've always had this beef with the dog, uh, as it were. Has have, have either of you ever eaten dog meat? What does it taste like? Oh, no. No? Wow. No. I think we just lost a lot of listeners right there. All right. I mean, oh. uh, no, absolutely not, Kote. Okay. What are we, barbarians? Okay. 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 Let me, let me, let me. Uh, I'm actually a pescatarian. No dog. Yes. Cat, maybe. But no oh, dog. oh, oh. I've got, I've got two things now. We went down the well before I went, I go back up it. One, my son has declared that he would like to be a pescatarian for the next two years, which I celebrate. That's fine. However, he easily slides into meatitarian uh, when we accidentally <laughs> forget to cook him fish. But I think he's on the right track. He's he's oh, wow. uh, he's and by right track, I mean he is controlling his uh, his meal choices, which I respect. Now, That's are 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 you grooming him for a future at the uh, the clothing o- clothing only <laughs> clothing optional <laughs> vegan co op? Because you know. You know I have a hard enough time getting my kids to wear clothes. So. You, you know what I think, Matt, is like, listen, it turned out pretty well for me. So if people want to follow the footstones that I laid down as I was yep. just meandering through my life, more power to them. As, as well, it well consider, considering we have the video on, I appreciate your, your choice of clothes. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm trying to, as someone pointed out in, the, uh, in, in one, an Instagram uh, picture, I'm always trying to represent for Texas. Still, after all this time. But anyways, uh, so speaking of eating dogs, I think as mentioned, uh, when I was in Iceland, I did eat some whale. And I forget if I uh, described this, but when I ate the whale, which I think makes me uh, not only as far as like using charcoal to cook my meat here in Amsterdam, like every single else uh, other Dutch person does. So I am in good company. Uh, man, whale tastes just like beef. It's insane. Like you eat it. And you're, uh, it's got it in your mouth and you're tasting it. And it's like, oh, this tastes like beef. And then you, if you think about it, whale's a mammal. So of course it does. It's just like very salty beef. Bad news about those impossible burgers. Actually, whale. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's good. Have you had one of those? Uh, which one do they have at the Alamo Draft House? Mm, I don't know. The impossible I, burger. I, I think I, it's the impossible burger. Yeah. I had one. Uh, you know, I was there uh, a year and a half ago. And I had one, and I thought they'd accidentally served me meat. I was in the dark mm. too, right? So, <laughs> so did you like, like it though? As a oh, I did. I did. That I did. hasn't I did like eaten it. meat much or at all in a long time. It was, yeah, it was. It reminded you. I thought it was quite good. Quite good. Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, to, to go lateral as I'm trying to get back up the well or the stack. <laughs> We're swimming around in the bottom. <laughs> we had uh, we we uh, as, as I think mentioned earlier before after we recorded, we had a friend over uh, who's who's back in town here. They're from uh, Boise, or they said it kind of interesting, like Boise, Bo- Boise, Idaho. <clears throat> and without even prompting, I mean, this is totally an American sentiment. And furthermore, I was saying before we were recording that, like many people, and by many people, I mean our Spanish friend in the Slack channel have uh, expressed the sentiment that like this this uh, me living over here is a chronicle of why I don't like Europe. I, Europe's fine. Europe's fine. I have complaints. Uh but as my Boise friend uh iterated, the beef here, they don't know what they're fucking doing. The beef here is fucked up, right? They need to figure this shit out. So anyways, back to eating dog, eating whale, going up the well, the well. Uh, I've gotten into the habit of uh, walking the dog 90 to 120 minutes a night. I take the kids with me. We go to a park. They, the kids like play around the park, play some Pokemon Go while I walk around circles. I get a little of exercise. It's really nice. Uh, but tonight there were no kids, and uh, I just had the dog herself 
to like run around with me. She's got her tongue lolling about everywhere. And it sure is a delight. Like, the, you know, I mean, between the three of us, the dog really annoys me, right? Like the dog gets up in the bed. We got the dog runs around here and like I got to pick up her poop. She like barks at things uh, on and on and on. And then and then as if to compound the problem, everyone else in my family loves the dog. They're like, the dog mm. is the best thing ever. I love the dog. And I'm like, you know what my job is? To fucking worry about the dog. I The dog, mm. if you remember last episode, you give me some nachos and now I've got a problem, right? Like it's like the dog is nice and now I have a problem. I got to deal with the dog. However... Wow. You you get yourself some one on one time with the dog. You have her off leash. You walk around. The dog is delightful. It's uh, I I'm starting to understand why people like dogs so much. They're just so See, they're so nice. Something about my dog, like moving out here, he's become he's become just like a jerk to other dogs. Oh, you know he uh, yeah. we're like you know is we, that on leash or off leash? Both. Oh, right? that's so we, we get him on leash and, and, you know, we're, we're walking around the block and now only my wife and I are allowed to walk him because he sees another dog. He like gets aggressive. He used to not oh, be aggressive. No. He used to oh, be kind of no. submissive and his favorite is to growl at puppies, you know, oh, puppies, yeah. you know, they're, they're all like little tiny and cute and they get all excited to see him. And cause he's like a, uh, 80 pound fat lab, right? Is but, that his name? Fat lab? Cosmo. Um, and, and, and so, you know, he walks up and the puppy's all freaking out. And my dog's like, oh, I'm going to sniff you, sniff you. I'm going to eat you. And just, ah, ah. And like, uh, okay, fine. You know, stay away from, from puppies. So, you know, cross the street when you see a dog. And then uh, a couple weeks ago, we take him to the dog park. He loves the dog park, you know, because mm-hmm. the dogs all get off their leashes. They run around in packs. He loves playing chase. He's usually well behaved. But if two other dogs start fighting, um, you know, play fighting. Not, you know, they're not really hurting each other. One will get the other on the ground. My dog's like, he's on the ground. Let's get him. Mm. What you're saying is, is, is your your dog is like a bad cop. He's just like he's on the old, street prowling around, gosh. looking to take some. But fools the worst out. part, the worst part is, you know, the the pe- people break up the fight between their little dogs, and I'm dragging, you know, my fat dog out of the way, and then we're by this. Uh, uh, park where kids are playing soccer and they're coming off and they all got their sausage sizzles in their hands you know the last thing you need the first thing you need after a big day of soccer is is, is a sausage and a white, can, white can, bread can, can we pause here real quick so in the u.s the kids have a soccer game you get oranges and and yeah, yet again sausage. what i enjoy about australia <laughs> is they're like fuck that shit mate we're gonna give them some sausage exactly. <laughs> that is your reward for a good soccer game so you know my dog's just finished like you know barking and biting on a dog on the ground i've pulled him away he's mm-hmm. calmed down mm-hmm. there's a seven-year-old girl walking by with the sausage sizzle in her hand and my dog's like huh lunch just walks up <laughs> as casual as can be and pulls it right out of her hand oh i thought you were gonna say he like throws the sausage away and eats the girl oh. <laughs> no but he just walks up to a total stranger and takes her sandwich and i was just like dog back to the house for you you know you can't leave the house you're like biting Mm. on puppies anyway now brandon i have met your dog many times (laughs) your dog i could handle that dog your dog is chill i like that well a couple i don't know i'm gonna take us down a sad note here so i think what you're saying what i try to say around dogs now this is my 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 spin on it is it's not that because people often say you don't like dogs. It's like that's not true. I, I'm fine with dogs. Like what I don't like is additional responsibility. That's mm, really what it is. Yes. I'm fine with dogs, 
but I tend to, in my life, I'm always trying to minimum respo- minimize responsibility. And so I do think there's this point, I, we had a dog, unfortunately her name was Risa. She was, rec- we recently had to put her down. And it was a very, I guess I would say like with dogs, there's this window where they're maybe one and a half, two, they're, they're, they're trained, they're potty trained, they're in good health, they, everyone can kind of have fun. If you put them outside, they can usually occupy themselves as long as they're a yard. But then there's the point of both potty training and then there's the end of life area that we just went through with our dog. And it was extremely you know, difficult for the entire family, right? About like the dog sort of had all the old, old dog problems and then we finally yeah. had to take the dog. Yeah. And that is, you talk about like you want, <laughs> you want to meet, you know, just a downer for the whole family is you taking your dog to have the dog put down. It's, That's it's, true. It's an awful, it is an awful experience that uh, I, I truly wish no one has to go through. So I don't know. I don't, I, but I always try to tell people, I was like, I don't like, it's not so much I just like <laughs> dogs. It's the responsibility. And maybe yeah. later in life, I do open the things like when, when I'm old and no one talks to me anymore and I, I don't have a podcast and there's really nothing to do, I may get a dog. <laughs> I may be like, I may say to myself, I want more responsibility. But right mm. now, I have all, I, I always am inheriting more and more responsibility that I'm, I really don't want. And, and I'm always looking, and I feel like that's what I say about dogs. I'm just trying to get rid of additional responsibility. Mm. So, so mm. For, for Brandon's sake, we can never end the podcast or he'll end up with another pet. <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> Please, no. so, so speaking of dead dogs. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's too bad to hear about your dog. That was a good dog. It was always Sorry. nice to visit. Your, your dog would walk up and just be like, hey, what's going on? Nice to meet you. And then yep. and then kind of be tired. Go to yep, sleep. That was yeah. it. That was exactly right. Correct. I love that. That is basically my, my... that is basically the model for how I want all living creatures, including plants, to interact with me. <laughs> that is ideal. <laughs> wow. Uh, mm. yeah. my, my dog will aggressively stick his head in your crotch to see, you know, what your yeah. underwear smells like. <laughs> no, good. Mm. no good at all. No, no, too friendly. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you know, let's say, let's say, uh, I don't, I don't know how to build from having to put the dog down. <laughs> I'm, I, I, got, I, got, I got nothing there. Uh, so, <laughs> do, do one of you want to do our first ad read? <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, talk about whew. Sorry Solar Winds, but uh, uh, <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Solar Winds and one of their application performance monitoring tools, Paper Trail. Diagnosing an application error, sudden spike in event messages, or a customer service ticket, get to the root cause fast using Paper Trail, powerful cloud-based log management designed for engineers by engineers. With Paper Trail, you can streamline troubleshooting with live tail to see events in real time or search through hours of logs in just a few seconds. As you work, you can save searches, create alerts without leaving the event viewer, and there's nothing to install or set up, so you can be up and running in minutes. And now, the brand new integration of Paper Trail with SolarWinds App Optics brings powerful application performance monitoring and distributed tracing together with log management, enabling you to identify performance and availability issues even faster while significantly reducing MTTR. MTTTR. <laughs> To learn more or to try SolarWinds Paper Trail for free, go to papertrailapp.com slash SDT, all lowercase, and make troubleshooting fun again. So I think what we've arrived on is we, so we got two ads, and in between each ad, we have a geographic oddity. And I'm just, I'm just going to call it right here, fellas. I am the one responsible for the geographic oddity. 
uh, which is fine with me. Taking on more responsibility. Maybe Didn't we just say that's not something we want to do. Maybe. Uh, yeah, yes. Thank you. Thank you. I, maybe I'll call upon uh, my, the the other people in our podcast league here to to come up with them. But until then, I I uh, I have a few geographic oddities. Here's the third in the series of geographic oddities. And I wouldn't call this so much, well, it is an oddity. So if, if you're out and about traveling around, like I think, uh, you know, the three of us do frequently enough to know about expensing things. So here's the deal. You go to a foreign city, you got to get from, you know, the simple act, act of going from point A to point B. That's a lot of what happens. You got to go from point A to point B. And uh, sometimes you're like, I would like the mini bar to be stocked in my hotel room. Sometimes you want a full spread for breakfast. Sometimes no mini bar, whatever the case may be. But let's say you're going to go to London, the place I go very frequently. I think as noted before, I had to get my passport renewed because I go to London so much, not because of the English, but because the Dutch just fucking love to stamp your passport when you leave the country. We've noted this before. I don't understand why they check your passport when you're leaving the country. I think one thing that the U.S. border has right is they're like, you're leaving the country? Good. Fucking leave. I don't want to spend any money on that. Right? Uh, Just like, Australia checks it too. Right? I don't, I don't understand gotta... what the deal is. Like, what are they trying to find? Lord Humongous or something? Like, just like, if you're leaving the country, go. You're not my problem I, I, I... anymore. I think it's a courtesy to the other country. Ugh. I don't know. Well, in, or to in, the airline. You know, I don't know. You know what? You know what? In which case, if you're going to to if you're going from the EU to England, I feel I figured they would be like, "Fuck you, take our dreg." <laughs> right? Like, here's here's your uh, what was the thing was? Here's your Scarface guy or whatever. But whatever. Anyhow, let's go back anyway. to the positive side. Geographic oddity. So let's say you go to London a lot. Now, you're going to be expensing your travel. Uh, and you might be thinking, as in most major metropolitan areas, I should take an Uber here and there. This is not the case. You don't want to take Ubers in London. Bad decision. It's, let's say you're in Paris, New York, uh, London. Amsterdam actually is fine for an Uber. There's a few other cities where taking an Uber is not a good idea. I would recommend if you're in Asia, even if you think you know what you're doing, just take a car. It'll be nicer. It's probably got air conditioning to help you figure things out. Maybe I'm totally wrong. If I was with Tasty Meats Paul, he would be like, let's go on the subway. Fuck it. We're going to get like some meat on the way. We might eat some pig brains in the subway, all sorts of things like that. And next thing you know, like, you know, you're fine. He, he's got things figured out. But if you're in London, you're going to be taking the tube. The tube's a great system. Even if you go in the morning and you learn how sardines are packed, because that's how it is. Uh, if you go from uh, King's Cross down to Old Street where the pivotal office is. But let's go back to expenses. So you're going to think, now, it's pretty awesome. I work in a tech company. I can actually use my iPhone to pay at the till to get on the tube. It's amazing. Oh, no. It'll blow your mind. You just, like, do that little Apple Pay thing. You hold it up against the till. Boop, you're in, right? You're paying in pounds. I don't know what the fuck a pound is, but at least at least they use miles, so I'm cool with that. And uh, that's going to be cool. Now, here's the issue. You uh, you got your American Express hooked up to your Apple Pay. You're going to hook it up to the till. And all of a sudden, you're in Concur filing your expenses. And you got like uh, a pound 23 that you got to like file away. Luckily, you have the pivotal thing, so you don't need a receipt. So it's cool. However, they have something called an Oyster card. You get yourself an Oyster card. Why do they call it an Oyster card? I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of walrus and, uh, and uh, what was the, and, and you got the walrus and the carpenter, something like that over there in Lewis Carroll land. But you get yourself an oyster card. Now, an oyster card, what you can do is you can go fill it up on your American Express for 30 to 50 yep. pounds. 
that's one expense to file. And then you can just uh, tap in and tap out. You're good to go. That's your geographic oddity for this week. Get an Oyster card. Less expenses to file, one expense. However, you might uh, you might have forgotten to press that touchscreen, I would like a receipt with this refill. And uh, tune in next week to see how easy or hard <laughs> it is to file that expense. <laughs> well, just don't, don't like, so we've got the similar setup here in, uh, in Sydney, in uh, New South Wales. We've got what they call an Opal card. And, uh, uh, you know, use it for the ferries, the trains, the buses. Um, but I've got my auto refill set up on my, on my company back on the car that I use for my expenses. I've got it set to exactly $60, $65 because 70 is our threshold for re- receipts. Oh, 70. <laughs> That's some fucking startup zone shit. We're like at $25, yeah. I think. Oh, no, no, no. I so, love well, that 70. At least set, your, set yours to auto refill. At you know twenty four, huh. that is, a, and uh, oh man, you know, geographic oddity solved for. This reminds me. Let me ask you a question. So back when uh, earlier this evening, when we had our uh, our Idaho friend over, we were talking about uh, how pleasant it is to take trains in Europe. Speaking of a geographic oddity, for the Americans out there, taking trains very nice in Europe. Now, I would not call it cheap, but it is uh, enjoyable. People will tell yeah. you that traveling in Europe is cheap. It's a fucking lie. Traveling in Europe is cheap as as it is in America. If you plan like eight months ahead of time, it's cheap. Mm. But if you're just like, I want to go somewhere like in the next two weeks, it's not cheap. It's just quick. So anyways, trains are pleasant. But uh, we were wondering like why the train system in America is so bad. And, um, you know, being the the uh, the American exceptionalist person I always am, I was like, well, you know, America is really big. So when you have a country that's so huge, it's like, of course, it's going to be terrible because it like is big. However, the the analytical part of my mind was like, I wonder if that is the same case in Australia. So Matt Ray, Australia, as far as I know, big country. How is the train yeah. system? Uh, better than America, but um, but is it I good? Would say I have I have uh, ridden from Canberra to Sydney, which is a I have no idea yeah, what that uh, means. A forty five minute flight. <laughs> uh, it was a four hour train ride. Um, mm. But it was like first that. class for Daddy thirty creation. bucks. Ooh, yeah, first class for thirty bucks. Whoa! And I saw that's like, Australian bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. that's basically so the that's, price of like two twelve ounce like Foster's cans, America. right? <laughs> they did serve alcohol. Um, <laughs> they they yeah they had a bar, they had a, a restaurant. Uh-huh. Um, it was quite enjoyable. So I'm actually doing some some vacation planning, and and one of the things that's on the the agenda is or on the on the possibilities is taking a train from from Sydney uh, to. They've got a, like a couple of long train rides that go across the country, north to south, east to west, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. We're, we're thinking about taking one that it's only, I think, 13 hour train ride. Mm. Uh, but like you know, get the whole family do a train ride inland. And then rent a car and drive around for like two or three days in the outback, and then you know come come back, because um, that way you don't have to drive all the way out there. You get a nice you know up through the mountains, down uh-huh. through the plains. So yeah, I, I think uh, the trains here are nice. Um, that's about all I could say. You know, the, they, and then of course here in Sydney we've got we've got uh, light rail, and uh, we've got you know we've got the the trolleys, but not trolleys not as nice as, as Melbourne. I'll give them that. But we've also got, you know, uh, trains going in and out of the, the suburbs and I like them a lot. Now, know? now, now, Brandon, you grew up in New England. 
So like they've got good trains up there. Like what's your what's what's your position on trains over there in uh you know in your childhood? Are, are trains and public transit like a thing? Yeah, no, still today even uh you know the Amtrak system in uh the Northeast Corridor as we call it here in, in the US. So basically uh-huh. really from DC all the way to Boston. Yeah. Is uh pretty good. Actually, I know a lot of people that ride it and they have uh I don't know if they're as nice as first class as what you just said, but certainly there's Amtrak's yeah, uh, the quiet did, cars yeah. and uh but yeah, if you're traveling anywhere between Philly, DC, New York, train's very viable option. Train they mm. run you know, mm. uh pretty good. And that's if there's any place in the United States, you know, obviously the New York subway system, the Washington Metro, even Philadelphia has uh, you know, rapid transit, New Jersey has some, you know, nice uh things. So I mean that's a place you can conceivably not have a car, travel. You know, like a European on various trains, but as soon as you get out of there, as soon as you get to DC, you're done. There's no, yeah. there's really nowhere yeah. else to go. Yeah, sure. Atlanta's like fuck that shit. I'm out. They have the Marta. That's not good. I don't yeah. think it's very good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody just flies in Australia, so you know, flying is 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 pretty pretty cheap. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's let's say that you want to. You're 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 in the rest of America. You've hit Atlanta. You want to go west, and you're like, I got to book myself an airline ticket because <laughs> these trains bunch of fucking bullshit so you go to a website and uh you're gonna you're gonna like try to book a ticket and this website is very unresponsive and you're thinking about switching to a new one but all of a sudden some developer some devops engineer or full stack developer gets an alert that their ui is non-responsive now what kind of tool might they have been using to detect that you could not book a ticket to go west well, that's a, that's a great question, and I'd like you to know that this episode is sponsored by TrackJS. So you have logs about what happens on your servers, in your clouds, and across your networks. But what about the end user's browser? For better or worse, everything is put together with JavaScript in the UI. Do you know when it breaks? TrackJS error monitoring for JavaScript quickly integrates with your front end, regardless of framework, so you know when problems impact your users. TrackJS installs in minutes and provides context about what the user network and application were doing leading up to errors it's like having an airplane's black box in your ui so you can find recreate and fix problems fast TrackJS is an engineer-owned cloud service that gives you visibility to client-side issues try it for free at trackjs.com sdt again that's trackjs.com sdt and of course we want to thank them for being a great sponsor and as a little bonus thing here, not so much an ad, but I was going to uh, tell you, the Oyster. So why is it called Oyster, uh, the, or, the card? Here's the answer. Oyster was conceived and promoted because of the metaphorical implications of security and value in the component meanings of the hard bivalve shell and the concealed pearl, the association of London and river themes with oysters in the well-known travel idiom. The world is your oyster. Holy there you have shit. It. That is why it is called the oyster card. That is some pre-Brexit British fucking intellectual height of humanity <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> they were said, just, did you say Matt Ray said the, the Australian version is the pearl, right? Uh, is that what he said? Opal. Opal, yeah, opal. opal. So Ooh, I think dang. maybe they grabbed the, like, I don't know, there's oh, a little sure. connection yeah. there, right? Well, here, here, the pearl, here's the real the test, test, though. Can you use it to buy beer on the, on the ferry? Oh. <laughs> I've not seen that capability. I have an Oyster card that still has money is on it, it, and I don't know what to do with it. But can, uh, can you can you buy things besides just transport? <laughs> More importantly, can you buy anything with an Oyster card in the United States? If anyone knows the answer to that, please let me know because I have I have a I have a remaining balance. 
<laughs> oh man, that is that is a fantastic explanation. I feel like I mean to go back to my joke. I feel like to use Hunter Thompson metaphor. There, there, if 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 you were standing at the the top of the uh, the London Eye and you sort of looked back towards the west, you would see this this great crest of British like fantasticness that reached its achievement, its apex in that definition of the oyster card, and then it rolled back after that. That was just the height <laughs> of it. It was it was great. There were good times there. There was this man, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down and look at it when I get depressed. That's a good explanation. Well uh speaking of speaking of rhetorical moves, it looks like, you know, we haven't talked about Mesosphere in a long time. I know I know that uh, a while ago that was one of Brandon's favorite. What was there? The the uh, the new age data, uh, data center? center operating system DCOS. I love it. Yes, we, we did a whole for for hardcore SDT fans. We did a whole episode of uh, what was uh, the Exegesis podcast on. I think the Mesosphere release. This is probably two or three years ago. So I have uh, to dig it up. Uh, we had a, I had a lot to say. I think I probably you know what that just may have been me talking for an hour straight. I don't even know if you said anything on that code tag. I think I, you know. I, we we still have a fantastic textbook in that podcast. We just need to uh, rip out some transcripts, write some eternal truths. It's it's a good uh, it's a good course right there. I think that's a semester. I think we're it's set. an O'Reilly report. Oh yeah, it oh. is. It's a report. Yeah, we we got that set. Well, so Mesosphere decided to change its name to D two IQ. I, I have no idea what that means. I don't yeah. – some it's oyster day card. day two, right? Day two yeah. – uh, in fact, uh, that's not even the official day name. Day two it's, intelligence. Yeah. Huh. But now yeah. no one's going to say the whole thing, so. I mean, <sighs> is is that a stock ticker? Is that what that's supposed to be? I don't know. <laughs> oh, that I mean, would be fresh. Could be. Don't think you can have numbers <laughs> in the stock, unfortunately. You can't. No. Man, what Keep about the you? traders for, for making uh, – oh, <laughs> the first person to come out with an emoji stock symbol gonna be crush it gold gonna yeah crush it. yeah but uh yeah so they've switched their portfolio basically over to kubernetes right as, as uh, well as uh, they already felt. kind of had kubernetes embedded in their mesosphere mm. like they, they'd made that tra- transition previously so i don't know I, I find i mean having been at a company that made a name change i find this name change a little puzzling right mm. um because like it just doesn't pop for me like you know i mean so for example when chef made their name change they went from ops code to chef Mm -hmm. so they named themselves after you know the the brand that everybody knew about right so we 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 wanted to increase our visibility and to me this is kind of going the other direction i mean mesosphere uh, you know yes it is you think mesos but you know when people say Oracle, they usually think databases, but Oracle's got a lot going on too, right? So I don't know. D, D2 IQ, I could have sworn there were like a dozen little SIs that already had that name. Um, and it, uh, it confuses me. I'm sorry. You know, maybe I'm know. in the minority. I, I'll defend it a little bit more. I mean, I don't know if I like the new one. I, I do understand if, if your name Mesosphere, the first question you have to answer as a sales rep is like, are you guys Mesos? Is that related to you know container? Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's probably it takes away the whole. Yeah. Let me explain to you that we are doing the thing that you want to hear about Kubernetes and things like that. So, I I I from a branding or just like a customer um, acquisition slash you know what I want to make a soft landing when I have lots of conversations. I can see why they 
um, change names. And then, of course, you know, we all new names we should criticize because they're always bad at the beginning. But then eventually we yeah. just forget. We're just yeah. like, oh, that's okay, that's, that's fine. That's day true. two, day two IQ. We won't even know what it means in three years. We'll just I'm, be like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm still not a fan of both. <laughs> day two IQ. Both didn't make it and now long. that Shingy's that leaving, I, I, they got nothing for me. Shingy's yeah. leaving. Yeah. You know, I, I, I read halfway through his uh, his departure letter. And uh, the, the one, let, let me just be clear. For everything I'm about to say, I have mad respect for that Shingy guy. As, as I wrote I do somewhere, I do as too. I wrote somewhere if, if you have a Mr. Show skit making fun of you, you have led a whole life. Everything exactly. is cool. You've done a good job. Uh, but I only read halfway through it. And, and he had this statement which I'm still mulling over, which is having children has profoundly changed my outlook on life or something, which like <clears throat> having children myself fully by choice, uh, as it were, as, as mostly happens with people in our area of existence. I don't know what that means, but anyways, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the after child part of my life, but it, it is also sort of like when someone says that, I always think like, including myself, like, oh, yeah, you were like kind of naive and uh, you were subsidizing your reality with this like excess of easiness that most people do not have. And so it was kind of a it does kind of like having children doesn't sort of like um, taint your forward going life and sort of like shape and add judgment to it. It's more like, yeah, no wonder you were so fucking crazy before that. Right. Like there was, there was like all of this, like, like wiggle room for you to be like a nut job before it and do weird things. Whereas after that, like, of course you're not going to have like crazy hair and run around talking about the future. Like you got to <laughs> like figure your shit crazier. out, <laughs> which is all to say, good luck. To Shingy, yeah, I think I think I think I think he will do a great job because there is like if if you have observed him over the years, that guy is fucking smart. He's got some shit figured out, and I think I think adding constraints to to your overall life it it uh, creates a whole new scape of fun hairdos (laughs) that you can pursue and inhabit, which which I'm all about. But back to that day two IQ. So let me ask you this, Brandon. So you you were you were as I mentioned the DCO whatever not whatever DCO two IQ DCOS loved it. What is what is? I'm sure you've looked at it. What what's the deal with 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 Mesosphere? What's up with them nowadays? How would you if I were if if you were part of the um what do they call it now? Uh, I subscribe to it. If you were part of one of these one of these programs, where they're going to pay you like two hundred fifty to five hundred dollars an hour to go like talk with some investor. And uh, you get in one of these engagements, and the investor comes, and it's like, I'm considering a uh, uh, a round G in Mesosphere. What would you advise me to do? <laughs> what 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 are you going to tell them? What's your? This is not investment advice. It's just a, oh, uh, a thing. Yeah, but like, don't, don't, what, don't come that. here for that. What's your position <laughs> on this A16Z company? Yeah, I think it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting question, but I think it, maybe it's, I would probably start with like all good consultants. I would, no matter what question you, what is uh, your goal? you asked, I, I'd, I'd make it much wider and say uh-huh, uh-huh. that like, as far as I can tell, like I think Mesosphere with them moving on and kind of embracing Kubernetes as well. And you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I believe at this point, every provider of some type of modern application development platform has now made containers kind of the foundation 
in Kubernetes, right? Mm. The foundation of it, right? So I know, Cote, right? You had your podcast on Pivotal stuff. Of course, we know OpenShift's been doing that for a while. Um, Mesosphere has now switched it over. So it, and then of course, all the public cloud vendors have embraced it in one way or the other. So at this point, you know, back to your investment question, it's the industry, for better or for worse, has settled on as Kubernetes will be a foundational component of almost every modern software platform going forward, meaning the container will be the unit of work or compute. So the question would be, if you look forward and said, okay, does Mesosphere bring something unique, different um, for those people that want to deploy it on-premise in a, a private cloud? And I think mm-hmm. that um, that would be the question. And I, you know, I even like simplify it down to this. It's just... Is as all the people listening to this probably know, it's like you're configuring Kubernetes today, you do it manually, you're writing a lot of YAML. So if you think about it, there's all these companies that are on top of uh, Kubernetes one way or the other trying to make it easier for you to configure, which usually means less manually configuring YAML, which mm. sometimes is good and sometimes is bad. So if you're going to invest in this, you'd, have, you'd start there and say, is the stuff they're putting on top of Kubernetes so valuable that enterprises are going to, one, want to pay for it, and then two, are they going to be able to provide value that convinces an enterprise that whatever lock-in they're getting, because they're doing it the Mesosphere way, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. worth um, the value they're getting. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, to be honest, like, I haven't seen a lot of Mesosphere hands-on deployments. I'm not, and that doesn't, that's not a dig. Like, I'm sure they're out there. It's just, I just don't run into it much. Yeah. Pretty much everyone I'm talking to is either public cloud or just, you know, Kubernetes kind of, if you will. The generic version. So, 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 so like, now, now you were at Sun for some time. Yes. Let, yes, let me, let me, let me run, let me run a theory by you. So, once a uh, a, a a infrastructure layer commoditizes, which I think is basically what we're seeing with Kubernetes, right? And by commoditize, commodity in the software world is a little weird. Uh, but what I mean by that in the software world is it is a low price, too free. Uh, layer that provides a tremendous amount of value in essentially mm, making the layer below you usable uh, in a productive way. So, for example, a JBoss is a commoditization of the Java runtime environment. Uh, The LAMP stack is a commoditization of the PHP Ruby I don't think Python was ever in there. The the P and LAMP was a bunch of bullshit. But the PHP and Ruby environment, right? Or yeah. or you could be even more simple and say the Apache web server or whatever. I'm sure there's some technical right. term that a bunch of people who have like a bat belt of tech shit hanging off of them are upset about that I didn't use. But the Apache web server was a commoditized layer. So in th- it, it seems like essentially Kubernetes is this commoditized layer. Right. So Sun, one of the things that was up with Sun is they were basically they spent a lot of money uh, creating these wonderful commoditized layers and not only writing the programming, but uh, as I'm always uh, I haven't done this in a while, but as I always bemoan, like there was probably two to three yards of books that Sun funded about how to write J2E stuff, which were wonderful. Like those books. Like if 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 you're old enough, like we are, to remember those books, you look at all these twelve factor manifesto kids, and you're like, you have no fucking idea what you're doing, <laughs> right? Like you are yeah. basically like you have taken a rusty spoon, plucked out your eyeballs, cut out your tongue, and you are trying to navigate some sort of Shakespearean soliloquy 
after that in comparison to the yards of books we used to have. So anyways, so Sun spent all this money to prop up this market. And it seems like Kubernetes is kind of in this area. So based on your experience, and let's assume everything I just said is true and completely valid, like sure. what is the business model you build on top of that? Yeah, well, I, you know, it's interesting if going back, because I think that's a really good analogy. It's As I remember it, you know, that that it did come when it came out, especially J2E uh, at the time, right, was there what it wasn't like JBoss came out first, right? It was sort of there was WebSphere, and mm. web now logic. That, this right? is a good point. That yes. That sort of uh, lots of money. And I think at the point, so this is like if we were to go back and criticize the Sun strategy, which you know obviously, much hundred percent you know hindsight bias here. But um, you know Sun very you know much was like, hey, we're just going to make money on these Sun servers, right? It doesn't matter. I don't care what you do because we're making so much money on these yeah. high end Spark machines. Yeah. So they're sort of you know Sun management distracted with that, and then businesses WebSphere and WebLogic, as I remember. WebLogic definitely a standalone company, and I think WebSphere was started by IBM. I can't remember where that one started, but I think those, you're right. Both, that that was those probably an original as, IBM thing. Very rare. Yeah, and so those both and those came out as like licensed products. So that sort of set, you know, if you will, seeded the market. You should pay. Oh. Pay for market share, uh-huh. and then uh, as a. And then as uh, it lost its market share, then it introduced JBoss. So I think the, the scenario was a little bit different, right? Is, is in that case, it was like they're trying to commoditize something after the fact. Um, so I don't know. Going forward, I don't know what it's going to play out here. But this seems to have happened with Kubernetes much, much faster um, than we've seen before. Like Kubernetes has almost like led the charge rather than being like the open source project that cleaned it all up. Mm. No, I, th- I, th- I think I think that's, that is, uh, as they say, or as I like to say, incisive. Which is to say the, um, yes, WebSphere and WebLogic made a shit ton of money in the environment I just described. So it's definitely possible. And then nowadays in the Kubernetes world, you have another sort of like complication, which is, uh, well, sort of everything. You've got public cloud and the way that like private clouds pans out. So who really knows? Like, like there are thus far, there's no general rules to apply between the two of them. Everything's still sort right. of uh, but- up in the air. I guess kind of going back to like why I like that data center operating system is I, I do think there is a general understanding in the I think the broad you know market all the people building platforms that hey you know that Kubernetes is still way too complicated the container orchestration is just one piece of a much larger deployment right we've yeah, been over all yeah. the other stuff a million times service mess surface orchestrators API gateways right so there's this whole layer right that has to be built out and that's why I like DCOS was like really that's what you want you don't just want kubernetes you want this vision of like yeah i've got it i have this data center operating system it all works together and it's really clear to me how um how i how i can deploy and make it all work together and i think that's the next couple years is going to be um you know i guess we're all going to watch and see what happens but i do think there's this other question it's kind of like to the kelsey hightower or whoever the people always like um tweeting out you know uh kubernetes is a platform for building platforms it's like you know, I, I think the end goal here, we may just at the end continue to push down the stack. And I guess, you know, some kind of functions as a service, a Lambda kind of thing, may be the end state, right? And I think this is where we're just, I don't know. I don't think the industry is really clear at this point. Like, what yeah. are we really trying to get to? And then, of course, you know, this is your wheelhouse, Cote, right? There's, you know, you, you know Pivotal certainly has a point of view. Uh, OpenShift has a point of view where they've kind of already done some of this work. Like, hey, don't reinvent everything, 
right? Just because mm-hmm. you want a different orchestrator. Like mm-hmm. we've done a lot of this packaging for you. And so I know you guys are going to be out there pushing your your view of the world. Obviously, IBM and Red Hat are pushing their view of the world. And then there's just going to be something new happen, right? So it's well, going to be several years of just confusion. That's, that's I mean, what I see. <clears throat> Mesosphere came out of, you know, Mesos being, you know, the, the Twitter's implementation of what they knew about what, that was going on at Google. <laughs> so it was like, you know, once again, you've got the, you know, Google tells people they've got something cool and, you know, former Googlers and, and others leaving, trying to reimplement what they had. And then, you know, but unlike all those other times, you know, Google finally just kind of tossed Kubernetes out as, you know, hey, here's a reference implementation of what we're doing. And Mesosphere had the fortune slash unfortune of being like the first implementation of that before Kubernetes. and they got the they definitely got the metaphor right. I mean, DCOS is exactly what everybody wants, right? We, you know, we've been moving towards this uh, unified compute environments, and uh, uh, you know, what what is it? The stuff that uh, uh, Cisco and and VMware and and you know, V Rails and all those uh, uh, you know, unified hardware networking stacks that you buy that have APIs on them. You know, we've been heading this direction for a long time, and you know they put this stake in the ground of this is the metaphor we'll all agree on. Unfortunately for Mesos, they started with you know the wrong mm. floor plan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you now, know, speaking, of, speaking of London, I, I was up there, and I like to stay at the Great Northern Hotel at the King Cross Station, or and it's like King Cross Pancreas. I don't know how to say the, the P part, but uh, they got a Sainsbury's there, which I always pronounce incorrectly, but you know. Over here in Europe, they've got all these like uh, meals ready to eat or MREs. I think there's probably a better name for them. And uh, it seems like that's that's sort of like in in the uh, the consumer world, everyone, including myself, will just buy like these these uh, little salads and meals that are all prepared, pre prepared things, Blue Aprons and whatnot. Not a sponsor of this podcast. Is Blue Apron still around? I never hear them on yeah. podcasts yeah. anymore. Okay. Uh, They're okay. doing their thing. Yeah. I don't hear Casper anymore. They must be around too, right? think so maybe yeah. podcasting got too expensive oh yeah not enough not enough murder mysteries I, w- I was telling kim i was asking her she listens to the uh, the true crime podcast and i was saying has anyone thought of like a murder podcast where they just like totally make it up but they like do it in the style of like a normal murder podcast which it would seem to be a lot easier than actually following facts <laughs> and like and and like and like based on kim's listening habits like no one really cares if it's true. They just like in the same way that I listen to like uh, like a lot of the podcasts I listen to, like Back to Work or My Brother and My Brother and Me. Like I just want like I want that background noise that I used to get from KUT in the KUT in the morning. I just want to like play it and have just like this. It's almost like this white noise, just like this ocean, this waterfall, you know, like ocean noise. Anyways, uh, what was I talking about? You got you got the mesosphere, <laughs> the Kubernetes. I've totally London something about London. Oh yes, London. So so it seems like you got these these like these pre-prepared meals that you're gonna eat, and like that's what we software vendors keep trying to give to people is like, listen, I could sell you, my rivals could sell you some raw chicken. You could go to the spice rack, get a bunch of spices. You could go get some charcoal or a gas grill and cook it. You could go get some cauliflower and chop that up and then some olive oil and season all this stuff on your own. Or you could just 
you know, for a little bit more, you could just buy this pre-prepared meal of roast chicken and cauliflower. And basically all the nerds out there are like, fuck that shit. I don't even want to go to a store. I'm going to go out into the forest and raise my own pigs and my own chickens <laughs> and grow my own broccoli. And that is what I want. I'm going to okay, down. Hold on, Kote. This is, but this is, uh, you know, I, I feel like I live in this other world a little bit too. You know, this Windows 2008, good, good. Uh, end of service, right? January. I know Matt Ray knows all about it, right? Yeah. And so the, just to continue your metaphor there, it's like, okay, um, that's great. You're going to give me this food. But then later on, you may suddenly triple the price of the food. And then in three years from now, <laughs> when I'm eating and I'm paying for all this, you just may say, this food is gone. Like you got to figure something and then you either got to buy the new food or you got to do something else. Right? I think, so that, that, I think yeah, this yeah, is the hardest good. part good. Like when you when you're just talking to the um, well, I don't even executive labor is maybe two things, but kind of the the, the management uh, group who's like, OK, we got to buy this and own it for the next five years. Say, right. So like say you made the decision on Mezos because it's not been that long. It's been basically Oof. two years, three years. Yeah. Say you were like, I believe in you, Mezos. I'm all in on you. Right. And they're like, and today they're like, we're moving to Kubernetes. And even if you read that press release, they say something like, oh, we're still supporting Mesos, but the future will be, you know, our new thing. And you're like, how do you feel right now? It's like, you, you yeah, probably feel yeah. like That's a bad I'm going to have to have a plan um, to get off Mesos, right? Or, or, I, or I'm going to be tied to this platform, even if they get another four or five years out. And so that would take us all the way out to what, 2023. So in 2023, are you going to be able to find people that have mezzo skills? Is this? Are they going to want to be retrained? Um, like, how are you know? If you think about doing some n- new digital transformation project, like, will this be an inhibitor or will it help you? And I think, like, all the people when they're sometimes I think it's very it's a hundred percent legit to criticize someone who's like they come in they want to ask about Kubernetes they want to even yeah, get into Istio yeah, and service yeah. mesh and you're like what are you even trying to do? But but then you flip it around and say okay well in five years from now. They need to. They want to be in the right spot. They don't want to have something that's, you know, bespoke and custom and and really complicated. Or or suddenly someone raises the price on them. So I'm I've become more sympathetic of it. And I guess 2008 is just you know in my mind just because I've talked to like all these customers. They don't say it this way, but they're usually like, it's fine. We're just like we're good. Just keep it the way it is, right? But. You know, Microsoft has you know essentially said no, it's over. Like you got to do something, yeah, right? And yeah, so, yeah. and they're all kind of you know not annoyed, but they're just like it's a huge part of their life figuring that out. No, that yeah. that makes sense. And 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 I you know the problem with the uh, the prepared food analogy is you eat it and then you're done. Like there right. is no uh, <laughs> there's there's no LTS on that uh, that prepared meal. Yeah. You haven't gone back into the forest and renewed the stock for next year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, but it does seem like. But this is the part that's dark, the part that seems 100% sticky is containers, right? Like, yeah, it feels like taking your application, you know, doing the work to put it in a container, minimizing any other outside dependencies. That feels like about as bulletproof as you get, right? It's like, okay, I'm going to start from here, and then uh, I'm going to, you know, decide what I want to do next. Now, the orchestration, and everything else, I think it's a very hard decision right now. So we yeah. we only with Matt Ray. We have a few minutes before we got to go to recommendations <laughs> and close up the show. I, I saw yes. some headlines that uh, that our man, our friend, great leader, Donald Trump, had some opinions about the Jedi contract. I have not Ooh. read about this, but what's going on with it? Oh, man. So, so you know, we've, we've talked about this previously. Uh, there's a, a $10 billion Department of Defense cloud contract out there. And, you know, it, uh, it's been... It's been out there for a while, and uh, for a while, Amazon was the leader 
you know, they, they had the, the bid in. And then uh, I think IBM sued saying, you know, hey, they we got excluded because we, you know, whatever reasons. And a, a federal judge like slapped IBM down. And then Microsoft like entered a bid or got into the somehow like, you know, it, it was just Amazon. And then Microsoft became a finalist too. Uh, Google apparently withdrew. Now, I don't know if that was, you know, internal pressure. They decided, you know, we didn't want to be part of this, whatever. Um, so you had your two finalists. You know, you had Amazon, uh, you know, who already run in a, a private cloud for the NSA and a, a private public cloud for the rest of the government. And, uh, you know, they've got some experience in the field, the the biggest cloud provider out there. Uh, we know we know Amazon uh, and and Microsoft, who's got you know a, a pretty decent track record doing all this federal stuff also, and you know uh, uh, you know prime vendor, and then you got Oracle, who's on the outside looking in, and they they've been doing a lot of complaining that, hey, uh, you know we wanted to break up this contract, we want there to be lots of vendors in it, and you know they they keep getting smacked down, but the latest like turn of the screw is uh, you know Oracle when when Trump made his uh, uh his his uh inauguration campaign uh oracle got themselves a, a a seat at that table um oracle got themselves their their ceo uh she was very uh um prominent in trump's uh, technology council you know when he had his oh, whole yeah, like you know right. what's technology yeah she was you know the others kind of stepped back and oh, i'm not sure we want to be a part of this and apparently oracle's been buying a lot of advertising during Fox News. <laughs> and literally, they're doing like psyops against the president um, and planting these seeds about how uh, Amazon, uh, you know, they're owned by Jeff Bezos and he owns Washington Post yeah. and you don't like the Washington Post. And they're really politicizing this whole thing and, and trying to, you know, reopen this this $10 billion bidding contract. And, and Amazon was just like, you know, not doing... Not playing the game, uh, yeah. you know. I you assume Microsoft's playing the game because they got themselves <laughs> into <laughs> into into the finalists after it closed. But this is where we are today, where Trump's been saying a lot of things about like, hey, I want to stop. You know, we need to rethink this contract. And you know, the DoD is like, we needed this yesterday. And you know, you're trying to restart the process. I mean, one of the things, uh, like apparently last year, Trump tried. He went to the Postal Service and told them to, you know, you need to double your rates on Amazon. Yeah, which is like by executive yeah, order. And they were like, we, we we can't, sir. And he's like, try harder, right? And a judge was like, no, you can't. And they're like, we told oh, you we could. D- double the rates they charge to yeah. ship Amazon yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right. I mean, so it's like he, you know, this this Jedi contract is going to be fascinating to see like, you know, the, the influx of, <laughs> of, of politics to like, you know, if you're making a yeah. tech decision – you probably would have would not have chosen Oracle. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean I at, at, at this point, it seems like what the the Department of Defense should do is keep the Jedi like contract alive, but it's just this total like distraction that just goes oh, on yeah. and on and on. And they actually have other contracts that are like satisfy actually doing something. And the Jedi thing is just like this Dev Null thing that you pipe all this fucking nonsense to. And, well, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know, you dedicate like what, 50 to $300 million a year just to be like this devonal thing that you put a bunch of bullshit into. And meanwhile, you uh, make purchases that are valid, which sounds there, like there a were... fantastic use of our tax dollars. <laughs> but there were a, uh, but I don't know, maybe other, it works. 
a couple of like fun facts to it. Like, I guess the key lobbyist, I guess, uh, or one of the the senior VPs at Oracle, I guess he was accused of like hiding because he's been, I guess, portraying different, I don't know, tight relationships around AWS and things like that. So he, I guess, he just took the uh, this poster he had, kind of outlining it, and he just put it on his window in his office, right, and just put it up so everyone could see it. And I thought it was his, his way of saying, "Look, I'm not hiding anything." I just think that's funny, right? It's just like, oh. Here, I'm just going to put it on. So, like, various uh, news outlets have, like, taken pictures of it, which is in itself kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but I think in the case of Microsoft, I think in, they would be the safest choice, right, just to do nothing, just to quietly stand yeah. in the corner, take no questions, because I, I think it would, they could get the contract. Because um, they're the only two. Only AWS and, and Microsoft were deemed worthy of having, the, the you know, enough functionality of it. And then I did also listen to, I guess, the new um, – or the person that's overseeing it now from the Department of Defense, I mean, he made some comment just saying that, like, hey, you know, we just may not award it, which I bet you, I feel like this is the likely, mm, to your point, the likely uh, outcome. And I, you know, as just someone stepping back, like, I guess, kind of um, tying all these conversations together, forget about all these high level decisions. If you're just working in the military, in fact, I was at the Pentagon, I did a tour recently with the family. But if you're just there doing your job in the military, serving the country, you know, first of all, thank you. But two, it's like, hey, I'll just my advice, just put everything in containers. Just like guys, get everything <laughs> in a container. Right. And just be, and that way you're just and just minimize your just dependency. Be ready. Like this whole thing. Just be ready. Because it's like you guys, I you know, I'm not sure what's gonna happen. But if you like I said earlier, if you put it in a container, you're probably gonna be okay. And then my final thought is like, I don't even know if it makes sense for anyone to spend $10 billion over 10 years on any of this at this point, right? Yeah, it would be like, yeah. why don't we just do, why don't we start with a billion dollars with one or two of the clouds and figure it out over time? Let's be a little bit more agile. That would be well, my, my, my idea. But like, you can't I mean, go wrong with putting it in a container. You know, but, but, but uh, I think uh, there was a, Matt Assey had a, uh, an article about, you know, the, the, how multi-cloud is a lie. Like, you know, essentially, if you start thinking multi-cloud, you're you're aiming at lowest common denominator, and you're not going to skill up your people well enough on either cloud or you know clouds um, to get the true benefits of going there. It's like the reason you choose one cloud for a ten-year contract is like you can make the investment and in, you know all the higher level things that are going to actually make it cost effective. You know, I, I love me some containers, but like. All that data, all those database services—that's where the pain is, right? Mm -hmm. That's where, like, like you know, hey, this. yeah, what, how what? are we gonna consistently, you know, put our data in in one place? It's like that's that's the pain that you want to get away from. And if you if you can't embrace a cloud, you're never gonna get that benefit. Well, you know, I think I've said it uh, implicitly before, but to explicitly like say it, whoever is paying Matt Assay. To write columns, they need to pay me too. I want to write some columns and get paid for it. Like I can write those columns that are interesting. Yeah, yeah. I by no means I I want him to keep. You should double his his payment to write a column so he writes it more frequently, and just pay me. I'll write for Infoworld or whatever kind of bullshit publication on the web like publishes that they, stuff. They, That's they, fine. They probably don't want you to call him that. Yeah, though. yeah. Maybe we should back that up. We should say you'd be happy to write listen, for any reputable uh, source on the internet. Listen. I want to be clear. If you're going to hire me to write something, that's what you're going to get, right? This is, this, is, <laughs> this is what I enjoyed about the register relationship is my editor there, Gavin Clark, was like, I know what you write. Here's some money. You should write it, right? Like there was no, well, there was no pussyfooting around about anything. Yeah. It, was, it was straight up honest. You know, I think, I think your two options at this point are 
go back to register or hit up medium. <laughs> oh, oh, medium. Yeah. Medium is always hiring. Very low uh, wages. Yeah. Well, you know, we got a lot of conferences that I would like. I want to call out two conferences before we go to recommendations. One, uh, our friend uh, over there at CloudBees, Michael Neal. Did I get that right? Yes. I, I hope so. so because I don't want to edit this episode. Anyways. He, uh, he, he mentioned that there are, is a CloudBees conference over in San Francisco. It's called the DevOps World and Jenkins World. They should just call it World. That would be bold to call a conference that. But if you want to go to that, it's uh, August 12th and 15th. And you can use the code GOLOCAL, all one word. I actually have no idea how much of a discount that is, but it's something. And uh, you can go check that out. I also noticed they'll be in Lisbon uh, December 3rd and 4th of this year. I don't think the code applies to that, but you could check that out. And then also, uh, I'm going to be, at the end of this month, I'm going to be at Agile Scotland in Glasgow, however you pronounce that. I'm giving a 90-minute workshop. Let me be honest with you. I'm not really sure what that means, but that's a long time in the future. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, and and if you want to go there, you can use the the speaker code as-speaker-michael. That's that's the best speaker code I have ever read. <laughs> and uh, you can get a discount, which will bring it down from 70 pounds, whatever a pound is. I don't know if that's a stone. I don't know if a stone is more than a pound or less than a pound or a guinea or a hobnobbin or something like a that. Pence. A pence. Yeah. You got you got uh, four squares a day, uh, you know, compounded by uh, a guinea or, or, uh, or whatever. So it'll bring it down from 70 pounds to 56.13 pounds. So figure that out. Whatever that is, uh, and as always, there's more. There's more conferences, including a couple pivotal ones you can check out if you go to softwaredefinedtalk.com/slash one ninety one. Now we don't really have time for feedback, but if you want a sticker, email the stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. Key to doing that is to tell us your mailing address. Brandon will walk up the street and mail you some stuff anywhere in the world. Uh, have we ever shipped to the North Pole or Antarctica yet, Brandon? No, not yet. Maybe, yeah. No, no listeners there yet. Or, or if you're listening to Mongolia, send us an email. I don't think we've emailed. We've. Uh, no. I, I was saying this the other day. I wrote some letters and we emailed it to people. And I was thinking, <laughs> I don't even know the words you use anymore. Uh, and I would also like to mention, if you want to buy my book, Digital WTF. Speaking about the uh, the, the register, you can go to leanpub.com/slash/digitalwtf and get the book now. Brandon, what do you have to recommend this week? Well, first we have to we have to get to the jobs. You know, long time listener, first time uh-huh. caller, Matt Ray. Uh-huh. Matt Ray, don't you have a job for us? <laughs> I do, I do. So what is it? Uh, I'm hiring. Uh, we we've uh, things have been going well over here on uh, the the opposite side of the planet from Cote, and uh, uh, we are now hiring a professional services uh, engineer for for APAC, and mm-hmm. we're going to base them out of Sydney if we can. So. Uh, if you're here in in Australia, I mean, maybe maybe we go Melbourne. I don't know, but uh, we're gonna hire, gonna hire it at a Hobart. If you like being on planes, man, um, <laughs> <laughs> Hobart might be an option. Uh, Auckland, I, I I don't know, but but it says Sydney. We don't have an office, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, we're hiring professional services, and you know, you get to jaunt around. Uh, the region, uh, maybe a little bit of Singapore, some some uh, New Zealand, and some Australia, and uh, uh, do some chef, some inspect, some habitat. It's going to be fun. Now, what and, I what I know about this, if you hire locally in Australia, uh, that means they will never have to pay the visa fee going into Jakarta. 
They'll just be like, sorry, I don't have any cash. And then they'll get through, which I enjoy. Have nice. I told you that story? You have. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other places have had that experience too. And I'm like, wait, we just walked past them. Don't worry about it, mate. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, listen, I'm just going to jump in on your recommendation here, Matt. So a couple, a couple quick things. One, if you want to like get more information on the job, you know, you can do it. You can join the Slack, and if you get in the Slack, you could probably Slack Matt Ray, and he'd tell you more about it. Two, you should definitely spell check that resume if you're sending it into Matt Ray, or go watch this whole. Uh, <laughs> he has a whole thing about what you should do when looking for a job. So, uh, or maybe you should get in the Slack in uh, Slack with no SSH, JJ. And he'll tell you what it's like to interview with Matt Ray successfully. Mm, I think it was a long true. time ago, but you did hire yeah. JJ, right? Isn't that, isn't that the deal? I hired a bunch of great so, guys. Yeah. There's a lot of good guys. But yes, but don't, guys, edit the resume before you do it. Seriously, don't, don't spell check. If you don't spell check, Maybe it. send it Matt back Ray. to you with corrections. <laughs> it's not going to be good. It's not, not going to go well for you. So, so join the Slack, find all those guys, get a job at Chef. And then, uh, of course, it's football season, so that means I need to delve into all my football documentaries. One, Hard Knocks, Oakland Raiders, John Gruden, love it. Just started on HBO this uh, uh, this week, and then uh, the fourth season of Lance, Last Chance U, which is a bunch of uh, for the, our non-football fans. Uh, that's basically a bunch of guys at junior college trying to make it back to the big leagues. So I've wasted way too much time watching all this reality TV football stuff, but uh, I'm ready for football season. So check all that out. It's good stuff. And your podcast. That's right. And my podcast, which will be returning for the football <laughs> season. I don't know. I can never tell if there's that much football crossover. Uh, you know, I think a friend of the show, Brian Gracely, I think he's a football fan, college football fan over in Cloudcast. But I don't know. I never know. I never know what are people into it or not. But anyway, check all that out. You know, this will not be shocking. But until you mentioned it just now, I have I think I don't think I've thought about American football for like a year. <laughs> like like i i guess it's a thing it happens it, it is a thing and it, it is, is a thing. big fucking for you deal. it's the it's the, the soccer the real football over there Cote. but you probably avoided that like you've avoided the american football yeah. is my guess i i right. watch i watch the women's uh soccer global meet i i don't even know what it is <laughs> between the world cup tournament yes yeah, between the netherlands that. and the yes. u.s it, yeah. it, it was pretty good it was Cote, uh, what i want to see you in is a full-on uh, as they call it, Dutch orange kit, the oh, jersey, because yeah. it'll be bright orange, right? Yeah. That'll be the perfect. So somebody, I don't know, one of uh, our well, friends over there the big, should send Cote. The yeah, yeah. Just, uh, we would call it Ajax, orange. but they would say Ajax. They don't pronounce Ajax. J's over yeah. here. They, they're just like, you know what? Let's fucking throw a J in there and just ignore it because we admire the French language. The French language is basically like, my friend, let's fuck with the rest of the world. We will just throw letters in there. And we will totally ignore them. It's just noise in the system. Fuck them. Letters. Boom. And uh, that doesn't happen much in Dutch except with the letter J, which they don't pronounce. So Ajax, I think is what they call it. Or Ajax. Now, he was a hero in the the Iliad or was it? No, the Iliad, the first one, right? I, I forget what Ajax did other than clean my toilet. Uh, but, you know. He's he's fine. Not a toilet. Ajax is a good solvent for cleaning all sorts of things. How about yourself, <laughs> Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend this week? Uh, I've been trying to do work. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations! Which, no, no, no. Like like you know, focus and block out sounds and stuff. But I usually uh, put on music um, without words. And so uh, I've been uh, delving back into uh, 
more the ambient kind of stuff. So uh, my recommendation this week is uh, Tim Hecker. He's a, an ambient artist and, and electronic music kind of stuff. Uh, an album called An Imaginary Country. Kind of droney. Lots of uh, you know wall of sound noise stuff. Uh, not noisy, noisy, but you know. What do, what do you mean by um, wall of sound? A whole lot of uh, either like strings or synthesizers at the same time. Not a lot of beats. Mm. You know, mm. just uh, a wall of sound. You know, it kind of. I, I don't know. Why don't you uh, listen to it? I'll throw some links into. Uh, well, how about we put a YouTube link if you can just listen to the album? Um, yeah. Anyway, if you ever wonder, like, what's Matt listening to in his headphones? It's like usually stuff to drown out everything around him. <laughs> mm, I see. Huh. All right. Well, my uh, my recommendation is I'm always I'm always interested in uh, people who write good essays which is to say nonfiction short pieces. And uh, I've always heard that Joan Didion, I hope I'm pronounced that right, is like one of the best essayists of, uh, I wouldn't say our time, but of the past like 80 years. So I I bought uh, uh, one of her first books, I think her first book, a collection of essays called Slouching Towards Bethlehem. And it's true. She's a fucking fantastic writer. Uh, so you should check that book out. Like there's a, uh, of course, the, the namesake uh, of the book is a uh, uh, an article she wrote about, I think maybe in 1967 or 68 in San Francisco about all the hippies. Uh, but all the other like essays she has are really good. And she has, um, to some extent, she is like a... Um, She's like the uh, female version of Hunter Thompson, which is to say, not fucking crazy and burning out. I don't know what I don't know what happens in her later life, but she has that same sort of like Gonzo involvement in the story, and uh, sort of writing what happens as she's doing her reportage around everywhere. But there's something. There's a couple of things I've noticed that are very interesting in her writing style, at least in the four or five essays I've read so far. One for one thing, when you're reading it. Uh, at least these these first essays is you you should notice how deftly she uses tiny gestures gestures that people do like smiles or moving their hands around and she'll often like use them before quoting them doing something or interstitially in them quoting things and it's all about these gestures that she documents that is where she kind of like inserts her judgment about the people when she's kind of like painting what they're doing which is kind of like a very fascinating kind of rhetorical technique. And then also, like, she has, I don't know how to describe it, but she has this um, uh, kind of, like, laid-back, neutral tone to everything that is a very, like, I don't know, it's nice. It's kind of like, uh, you know how, like, the dude is, like, very even-keeled? Like, she has that same tone to what she's doing. Kind of like kind of like when the dude's, like, uh, the guy who has his dance cycle, the dude's, like, um, landlord comes up and says the rent is dude, and he's just like, uh-huh, awesome, cool. Like, she has that same tone, which is very comforting. So it's a very comforting read. You should uh, check that out if you're interested in people who write well. So as always, this has been Software Defined Talk. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 191 because this is episode 191. You can also go to softwaredefinedtalk.com to see all the past episodes that we have, join the Slack channel, uh, I don't know, all sorts of other nonsense we have in Twitter and Instagram, even LinkedIn, if that's where you choose to spend your time. Uh, uh, And with that, we'll see everyone next time. Bye-bye. This is where Matt Ray says, 
Bye. You said we should look out further. I guess it wouldn't hurt us. We don't have to be around all these coffee shops. Now we got that percolator. Never made a latte greater. I'm saving $23 a week. Drive to a house in Preston. We see police arresting a man with his hand in a bag. How's that for first impressions? This place seems depressing. It's a Californian bungalow in a cul de sac. Kid.